let's lift up our hands all across this house. Let's just begin to magnify him. Let's continue what we feel in this building. Let's love him. Let's worship him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, we got that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living on the inside of us. Let's let it flow. Let's let it move in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord and give him a shout of praise. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Sunday afternoon. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Amen. It's good to have all of our guests and visitors, returning guests with us. Amen as well in Jesus' name. Thankful for what God's doing in this season. Several people baptized and people getting just touched by God and filled with the Holy Ghost. And praise God for that. Looking forward to more. Amen. Just had a, a new family of five show up to Fallon this morning. Praise God. Got another family of six looking. So hallelujah. We're just, man, we're just going to keep rolling in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 21. And uh, verse number one, the Bible says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus two disciples, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them. And bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughters of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. And brought the ass and the colt and put them, put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and those that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. He said, loose them and bring them unto me. And if anybody tries to stop you, just tell them the Lord has need of them. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. You are released for a reason. You are released for a reason. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray as one body of believers all across this building. Come on, that's it. Somebody lift up your voice and let's talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray God take this word. Bless your people, Jesus. Hallelujah. Put this revelation deep down on the inside of us, God. Hallelujah. We are released on purpose, released with a reason from God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. 
Somebody shout the Bible way with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, they're starting to shut that down in California where you can't sing and you can't shout. So I think we ought to give God the best shout and the best praise. Hallelujah. Let them hear it all the way across the state border. We're going to praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give your neighbor a, a wave or a fist bump and tell him God bless you. Amen. You are released for a reason. This story that we find in the Gospels is interesting for many reasons. One of the number one reasons that it intrigues me is the fact that it is one of the few stories that appears in all four Gospels. You will see a difference between the Gospel writers, and this is not, as some would believe, uh, to be discrepancies or contradictions. That is not the case. Just like any uh, court case, there are multiple witnesses with multiple different accounts, and all of them are pointing to different aspects of the same story. And they might see it from a different point of view or from where they were at that time uh, or, or wh whether they got it from a second-hand account and wrote it down themselves. They are, they are writing this down. You'll find that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. These are gospel writers that seemingly are attempting to do uh, very similar things. Um, but they are writing, it seems, to, to different groups of people. For example, you'll find that in the book of Matthew, it is Matthew that seems to try and prove that Jesus Christ was, in fact, amen, a descendant of, uh, of Abraham. He takes it all the way back to Abraham. He is trying to prove to the Jewish nation that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah that we have been looking for all the way back to the promise and the blessing of Abraham. And other people, like Luke, they seem to write it from a different perspective. He takes it all the way back to Jesus Christ being the son of Adam, the son of God. And he is taking this to all the way before the Jewish nation even existed and trying to prove that he is the Savior, not just of the Jewish nation, but of the whole world. It is this Luke that writes his gospel to somebody by the name of Theophilus. And it, it seems through history and through study that Luke is trying to, uh, he's trying to prove to somebody that Jesus Christ was in fact who he said he was. He's gathering all the facts, he's putting them together, and he's making a beautiful, amen, example. And he's putting it forth to this person by the name of Theophilus. It is this same Luke that will write the book of Acts. He is going to write to Theophilus. He's going to write to this individual, not only of Jesus and Jesus' works, but then he moves forward to the, the, the New Testament church, and he writes about the Acts of the Apostles and the fact that the work of Jesus Christ is still going on. This is, this is powerful how they're all writing in different ways. Mark, Mark has a little different spin on it. 
he talks and he begins to work. Uh, there's a lot more spiritual activity in the book of Mark. Uh, there's a lot more activity of demons, and he takes it a little further in that direction. Amen. Putting it on a spiritual aspect. But then you find John, and John writes from a standpoint of revelation. This is why he starts his gospel in the beginning. Amen, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen, he takes it back even before Adam. He takes it all the way back well before mankind even existed to the self-existent God. And he's giving us a revelation all the way back, amen, before time was, there was the Word of God. And then he tells us who Jesus really was. He was the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. Hallelujah. That's who we're worshiping here today, amen. But you'll see that John seems to take a totally different angle, amen. And as he writes and as he pins down things, he's not, he's not trying to follow in the same witness pattern as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He writes his stories, amen, in a different way, in a different angle to really a different group, amen. But it is this John that intrigues me that even he penned down this story. There was something and some things, I would say, that are important even for us today that all of the gospel writers made sure they penned down this story. Amen. This is, amen, a few things that I want to bring out here today. I've come to preach to everyone that you were released for a reason. And I want to talk about this colt for a little while, this donkey, if you will. Amen. We see that that Jesus is about to make his grand entrance into Jerusalem. He is about to show forth. Imagine this. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is about to show up to his own people, his own nation, his own, uh, his own capital. He's about to show up as the King Almighty. And yet Jesus does not ride in on a stallion. He does not ride in on a war horse. He rides in on the colt. Of a donkey. And, and there's a few reasons for this. The first main reason in why Jesus did this is because of prophecy. That it might be fulfilled. You'll find that, that happen over and over and over again. That Jesus does several things for no other reason than that it might be fulfilled. He's doing it so that the word of God does not come back void. But it accomplishes that which it was sent forth to do. Amen. It was prophecy. It was the will of God. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there if you're fast enough to the book of Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 10. Here we see that uh, Israel, before he dies, is giving prophecies to all of his children. And uh, he gives this prophecy to his son Judah. Judah, which means praise. The Bible says the scepter, amen, the rulership shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. But unto him shall the gatherings of the people be. This is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Binding his foal unto the vine. Jesus is, in fact, the, vole, the, the vine. Amen. His ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. And you would think 
that as a man is about to die, he's giving this word over his kid, over Judah. And this doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But, but Israel is looking down the road. And he sees that it is going to be out of praise. It is going to be out of Judah that, in fact, the Savior will come. And I've got to stop for just a moment and tell you that's why I think it's so important as a church that we never cease to praise God. That we never stop to give God glory and to give God praise and to give God worship. It was through Judah, it was through praise uh, that it was prophesied Jesus was going to come. And I believe uh, that it is going to be through the praise of God's people as the sound of many waters. Uh, he's coming back with a shout. Uh, he's coming down with the trump of God. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Praise God. It was Judah. He said that he's going to come. But it's interesting that all the way back here, it's prophesied that he's coming on a foal. He's coming on a colt. Zechariah 9 and 9 says, Rejoice greatly. I want you to notice how all these have to do with worship and with praise. And yet it always goes back to the fact that there is a colt of a donkey. Rejoice, O greatly, Jerusalem, O daughter of Zion, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus came on this colt. This is one of the reasons that Jesus came upon this donkey. It was the will of God. It was prophesied. And Jesus did it that it might be fulfilled. And Jesus showed up, which brings us to point number two. As to why Jesus that why Jesus released this colt, Amen. He showed up again, not riding on a war horse, not riding on a stallion, but he showed up on the colt, and it was prophesied that Jesus would show up the first time riding on a colt. Horses were were a symbol of power; they were a symbol of warfare. But when Jesus came the first time to Jerusalem. He said, I'm not coming, amen, with warfare. And I'm not coming, amen, with bloodshed. I'm coming as a sign of peace. I'm bringing a message to the world, amen. Jesus, as we know, is the prince of peace. And Jesus said, the first time that I show up, I'm going to show up, amen, not only am I going to come from heaven down to a little town by the name of Bethlehem, down all the way, amen, to a little manger, but when I come into my own country, when I come into my own capital, when I come into my own city, when I come where I should be king above all kings, Lord, above all lords, I'm going to let myself go a little lower, and I'm going to not ride in on a war horse, I'm not going to have an entourage, I'm going to show up lowly, and I'm going to show up meek, and I'm going to show up riding on the colt. Amen. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, I would have loved to have gathered you. Amen. But Jesus said you missed it. You missed it. Amen. Could it be that Jesus rode in on this colt? Amen. He was trying to bring them peace. He was trying to bring them a message. But some people, they miss the message because they want something grandiose and something extravagant. But they miss their king riding on a donkey. 
Amen. It's the next time Jesus comes back. As we are all waiting for, the Bible says he's going to ride in on a white horse. When he showed up the first time, the Bible says and prophesies, he brings with him salvation. He brings with him peace. He brings with him righteousness. He brings with him justice. But the next time he comes again, he's going to come with a sword strapped to his hip. Amen. In other words, Jerusalem, you got to catch it now. Jerusalem, you got to rejoice now. Jerusalem, you got to worship him now because eventually it's going to be too late. Church, can I tell you, we don't need to wait a couple more weeks, a couple more months, a couple more years to step into rejoicing and to step into praising. I don't got to wait for streets of gold. I don't got to wait for a crystal sea. I don't got to wait until everything's going well, until God does something something extravagant. I'm going to praise him when it doesn't seem like much. I'm going to praise him when it doesn't. Oh, somebody praise him. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, don't miss your meeting with Jesus just because it came in a way that you didn't expect it, just because it came in lowly, just because it came in a package you weren't expecting. Amen. Don't let that hinder you. Can I tell somebody it's time to praise God while you got the chance? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. It is, it is this cult. It's a symbol. It's a message. He's coming with peace. Amen. Don't miss it. It's, it's, it's an obscure. It doesn't make sense to everybody why Jesus would do this. There's a reason it's written in our Bible, in every gospel. It was such a unique thing for Jesus to do. Amen. To, to ride in in such a lowly way. And yet Jesus did it. He brought that message. He came to Jerusalem. Amen. And there were some people that got a hold of it. Amen. There was some people that got a hold of what God was doing. And not everybody has the wits about them. Not everybody is observant enough that when it doesn't seem like much, amen, they have the revelation God's up to something. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. It's just a foal. It's just a colt. It's just a donkey. Amen. I was expecting to see all of Jerusalem, even all the way to the book of Acts chapter 1. They said, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time ride in on a white horse? Will you at this time, now that you've resurrected, are you coming back with war? Are we going to overthrow Rome? And Jesus said, you don't get it. This is not the time. This is not the season. They were looking for it right Right then and there, but there was a group of people, amen, that they, they didn't really care how Jesus showed up. They were just grateful for the fact that Jesus showed up. Amen. They weren't waiting on something specific. Amen. They were saying, you know what? He showed up and it wasn't the way I expected it. But I'm going to go ahead and cry it as loud as I can. Hosanna. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. Amen. Got to make sure that we don't wait until it's too late. We got to praise God even when it's just a cult. Even when it's just something so insignificant in our eyes, something so small. I want you to know that when you think uh, that God's not doing a whole lot, uh, amen, that's often when he's doing the most. Amen. When it doesn't seem like God's doing much, amen, that's where he's doing stuff behind the scenes that you and I can't see. 
And at that point, uh, that's when we worship God. We don't wait uh, until it's all said and done. Uh, we don't wait till Rome's overthrown. We don't wait till he restores the kingdom to Israel. We show up uh, not because the kingdom's restored. We shout and we praise because the king is here. Amen. You got to praise the king uh, when the king shows up. Amen. It was there that he rode in on a donkey for another reason, for an example. This donkey was a common animal. It was not something for kings and potentates. It was for farmers. It was for people that, that, that lived in the city. It was those that had to do trade in the marketplace. Those that needed a beast of burden. And Jesus wanted this to be his entrance into the world, into Jerusalem. He wanted everybody to know that at this point, in the dispensation of grace, amen, it's not a white horse, it's not warfare, it's not, it's not all of these things that, that they're looking for that eventually will come at the end of the world. But when I show up, I'm showing up on this lowly colt. And Jesus says it's a common animal. It's, it's not significant. It's not much. But I want you to know that Jesus was representing to us and to everyone there, those that got the message, they understood the message. I want you to notice who was worshiping God at that moment. It was the common people. It was the common people. There were religious people that thought this is ridiculous. That looked down like Michal did over David as he danced before the Lord and said, you look like a fool. There were some people that said, Jesus, you could have showed up with lightning. You could have showed up with thunder. You could have shown up with Fourth of July fireworks. You could have made a big entrance, a grand entrance. In fact, we call this his triumphant entrance. But when I read it, it didn't look too triumphant. But I'll tell you what was triumphant about it, that those that were common, that did not have a place, those that were insignificant, that didn't seem to have a place in the kingdom of God, they got a hold of it and they realize if this Jesus will ride on a colt, a common animal, what can he do with my life if he can show up in such an insignificant way and we call it triumphant and we see it as a testimony and we pen it down, there must be something to this and they begin to cut down branches, they begin to throw their coats in the way and they magnified him as the Savior of the common man, as the Savior of the world, as the Savior of the publicans and the sinners. Let me tell you about Jesus for a moment. Jesus was, was hated by the religious. Jesus was despised by everybody in the upper echelons. But Jesus, he ate with publicans. He ate with sinners. He took care of people that nobody cared about. He called tax collectors. He touched and healed lepers. Jesus touched those who were blind, those that were dysfunctional, those that were disabled. Jesus came and helped people that were possessed of devils. Jesus ministered to prostitutes. Can I tell you about Jesus? Yes, he's king of kings. Yes, he's lord of lords. But he's also the champion of the common man, of the common woman. Oh, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Your Savior showed up, and it was triumphant, not in his eyes, but in our eyes, that he would champion people like us. 
Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Come on, let's love him. Jesus is not afraid of where you're at. He's not, he's not confused by where you've been or what you've done. Amen. He says, I'll even ride the most common animal into my triumphant entry. What can God do with an individual like you? What can God do with a life like yours? Amen. But God, it's not much. God, it's insignificant. God, no, it's just too common. What can God do with the most common of individuals? I find through my Bible that God uses common people and common objects, common animals. In fact, it's interesting, the donkey, he used this term throughout the Old Testament. It's interesting that he used this as his triumphant entry. He didn't use a war horse. He didn't ride in on cattle. He rode in on a donkey because donkeys are known to be stubborn animals. Yeah, there's words for that. We don't use them now that we're saved, but used to get cut off in traffic. No, I'm kidding. But, but they're stubborn. And you know, God looked at Israel. He said, you're stubborn like a donkey. You're stiff-necked. I put the bit in your mouth. I try to turn you, but you buck against me. He says, oh, that I would have you, that you would just give in. Oh, that you would just surrender. Oh, that you would just submit Israel. And God has this battle. Amen. And, and, and he, he relates them back. Two donkeys. And you find even in the Old Testament that God, amen, there was a prophet on his way to curse the nation of Israel. A prophet of God cursing the people of God. Doesn't make sense. And this donkey saw an angel of the Lord in the way to stop him, to smite him. And this stiff-necked, stubborn creature that, that just does his own thing, amen, that goes the way he wants, whether there's judgment or not. Even the donkey had enough sense to turn away from judgment. Even the donkey had enough sense to say, no, we're not going that way. And the prophet kicked him, and the prophet beat him, and the Bible says the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Think about it. There was an animal that was willing to speak the words of God properly, but there was a man that didn't want to. How much more stubborn are we as humans? How much more stiff-necked are we than humans? And it's a miracle that God would make any animal speak, but the fact that he got a donkey, a stubborn creature, to speak and to turn directions. It's much like when he used an unclean animal, like a raven, to feed the prophet. Amen. A common animal to feed the prophet. And yet Noah... Couldn't even, get the, couldn't even get the raven to come back. It's interesting that God would use such common, such stubborn creatures, and they obeyed. Because the power of God is when he shows up, when he starts working in lives, when he starts moving. Amen. They have enough sense, amen, to set down their stubbornness, to set down all their, 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 their unwillingness. Amen. They have enough sense to say, if God is calling, if God is loosing, if God is releasing, if God is moving, then I, who am I to stand in the Lord's way? Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. 
Come on, even a donkey, amen, submits to the will of the Lord. Amen, what should you and I do? Even even common animals, even unclean beasts, they submit. Amen, they march in on the ark two by two because God has spoken to them. Church, we need to have that level of willingness. We need to have that level of submission. We need to have that level of surrender. We need to have that level of sacrifice. But this is why it's so important and why it's so powerful. He used not just a donkey, not just a stiff-necked individual creature. He used a colt, a, a creature that has never been ridden by any man, has never been broken, has never been tamed. It still has its instinct fully intact to resist at the slightest tug of the bit in the mouth. It still has the instinct to buck up and to fight. And Jesus said to his disciples, go find me that kind of colt. There's going to be a colt, unridden, untamed. Amen. There's going to be some people that are unridden, untamed, messed up. No one can tame him. It reminds me of Mark chapter 5. There was a man possessed by a legion. Amen. An entire army of devils. And the Bible says no man could tame him. They couldn't bind him with chains. He was always day and night in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself. And nobody could get him to put clothes on. Nobody could get him to get a job. Nobody could get him to be a normal individual. Nobody could get him to contribute to society. And Jesus said, uh, those are the kind of people I work with. Uh, those are the kind of people I lose. I came to call sinners to repentance and not just the righteous. I came to help the sick and not just those that think they got it all together. Church, you want to know why we praise the way we praise? Because he looked on you and I and said, I can use that. I got a purple. Oh, somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to magnify I wish somebody with a testimony would say, Lord, it was me that was untamed. It was me that was unridden. It was me that was unbroken. It was me that was unbridled. It was me that was a wreck. It was me that was on drugs. It was me. Such were some of us, but we are loose. We are loose. We are loose. I wish somebody would shout on this Sunday afternoon and praise him like you're loose and worship him like you're loose. Oh, praise God. Unbroken. But God said, I can break the unbroken. Unbridled. I can bridle the unbridled. Naked and depressed. Yeah, and then they come back, they see him sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. You let Jesus loose you. You let Jesus get a hold of you. And everybody said, well, there's no hope for them. Huh? They're hopeless. They're helpless. Huh? No one can tame them. No one can ride them. And then a couple years later, you can stand before them, and they'll look, and they'll say, who are you? And you can look back with a testimony. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, that old song, you don't know, like I know what he's done for me. There's just something about that when he looses you, when he sets you free, when no one else could do it. You got to give him praise. It's never been rode. It's never been broken. 
It's got the instinct to resist, to buck up, to fight. But I love this. He sends his disciples after it. Church, we are not a church for perfect people. If you're perfect, please help us out. If you got it figured out, you know, somebody said, well, there's just, it's just not a, you know, there's just no perfect people in church. It's because you showed up. I and mean, we would have been just fine. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But there's something about that. People think that, man, church is for perfect people. I'll get things together, and then I'll get a hold of God. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong, and I don't know how. The, that's one of the biggest lies the devil ever told people. While you were yet perfect, Christ died for you. While you yet had a 401K, Christ died for you. While you yet graduated high school, Christ died for you. No, 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 my friend. While you were yet sinners, when you were without strength, when you were ungodly, in other words, when you were opposite of God, unlike God, he said, that's who I'm looking for. Church, this is why we ought to fill up this building with everybody. I don't care where they come from. Uh, it doesn't matter what their background is, their skin tone, their language. Uh, the church isn't wrapped up in the world's affairs. Uh, we're looking for revival. We're looking for the cult that's untamed, unbright. Hey, you know the best part about this untamed, unbridled cult? It's never been trained incorrectly. Amen. There's nothing like people that just come into church and they don't know anything about it and they don't have all these preconceived ideas of how the church should be and how the music should be and how the preacher should be and how everybody should shake their hand every five seconds and they just show up and they're like, I'm so glad to be here. Praise God. They don't know any better. I thank God for it. They might be a little extreme, but thank God for the unbridled. Thank God for the unbroken. Oh, praise God. Just something about it. Just show up and they're just happy to be there. God says, I'm going to send my disciples after those. You get that, and that's what I'm coming in on. That's what I'm going to come into the city on. Church, that's the kind of church we need to be. Amen. That's the kind of church we need to be. Hallelujah. Something Jesus can use. Deficiencies and everything. God can use it all. But there, this, this, this cult He's got decisions. He's got choices. He could, he could rest in his, his resistance that's still in his nature when the disciples show up. There's going to be resistance for people that come into the kingdom of God. I, I've won enough people. I've taught enough Bible studies. I've, I've counseled enough people and preached enough people to know that this is a circumstance. That, I, that as a disciple, you show up or maybe they come to church or you knock their door or you go to teach them a home Bible study and, 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 and you bring them the word of God because we understand that the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. It divides. Amen. It makes everything good. Amen. And there's something about that word when you begin to pray it open with somebody. Uh, amen. We look at verses that says now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty uh, and we understand that yes you might have an American flag and I love America. God bless it. Uh, amen. But there's no freedom without Jesus. Because that cult could say, well, I'm at liberty to do whatever I want. Amen. As long as I'm around this post, I can just hang out at the bar. I can hang out at this post. I can do as long as I just stay in my little rut and my little circle. And they think that's freedom. But my Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. 
In other words, who the Son has not set free is not truly free. And people that don't have Jesus don't really know what freedom is. But there's nothing like a people of God that Jesus has set free, that Jesus has liberated, that can testify. And the redeemed of the Lord can say so and say that you just don't know what it's like to truly be free. People think, and I've taught people, well, I don't really want to get loosed. Because if I get loosed, I can't do all these things that I want to do. I won't be free to go to the club. I won't be free to go to the party. I won't be free, and you name it, whatever the case may be, you fill in the blank. People do this. They, they, they get used to the post they're tied to. I'm coming to preach to somebody. They get used to that rut. They walk in that circle, and all they can do is go back and forth, and that rut gets deeper and deeper and deeper. It reminds me, amen, of the rich young ruler. The Bible says that Jesus gave him an opportunity at freedom, at true liberty, amen, but there was still something holding on to him, and the Bible says he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, but the true story is he didn't have great possessions. Great possessions had him, and anything that you can't let go of, that stops you from getting to Jesus, that stops you from getting free, that stops you from getting loose. Amen. You don't have control of it. It has control of you. That's what God told Cain. He says that sin is crouching at the door, and if you open up the door, it's going to pounce on you, and it's going to control you, and you're going to be led by its desire. My parents always said it this way. I grew up in a drug home, and they always would tell me, well, I can quit anytime I want. Amen. But the true story is there was a false sense of freedom, a false sense of reality that said I can get free anytime I want. But I looked back at them. I said, no, 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 no. If that was the case, if you really knew what freedom was, you'd never want to go back to that junk. If you really knew, oh, come on. If you really knew what Jesus could do, if you really got a taste away from your post, if you really got a taste away from your if you got a real taste away from your friends and your relationships, if you got a taste of something that was better than any high, if you got a taste of something that was better than any amount of alcohol, if you got something that had something better, you'd know what freedom was, and you'd run after it. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, the disciples showed up to loose. The church has showed up to loose. The kingdom of God has showed up to loose, to release. Whatever you bind on, earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on, earth is loosed in heaven. God has given the church power to loose. Amen. That's why some people that, that think, well, church is just boring, religious, you're going to the wrong church. Because when we lay hands on the sick, they recover. When we touch, when we pray for somebody that's afflicted and depressed, amen, when they leave the building, they're full of joy in the presence of God. When we pray for somebody that's addicted, they show up and they say, Brother Trent, they say, hey, I used to have addictions. I used to have these things that I loved and I liked, but I showed up in the house of God and something happened and something changed and I was loose. That's why you got to show up to church. That's why you got to make it to the house of God because the disciples are here and we're not here to bind you up. We're here to set you free, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The disciples show up and you got to loose them. But that, 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 that cult has a decision. Do I want to be loosed? 
do you want to be free? Because if you want to be free, you can be free. You can walk in liberty that you never even knew existed. If you want to be, you fill in the blank on whatever it is. Bitterness, you can be free. Depression, you can be free. Pornography, you can be free. Drug addiction, you can be free. Alcoholism, you can be free. Every last bit of things that wrap you up and bind you up, you can be free. He said, loose them. But there's another level of resistance. There's the, there's the owner. See, because those people that think they're free, they're not really free. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a few layers of resistance. They've got their, they've got their personal, they've got, they've got a few things. They've got that thing that ties them down, that addiction that ties them down. But now there's that, that owner that comes by. He says, what are you taking my colt away for? And the devil's just like that. What are you doing with my, this is why people that when they first get saved, they go through hell. Uh, maybe that's just a, I don't know. I just, I've experienced that. I've met several people that have experienced that. They just feel like it doesn't, it just seems like all hell breaks loose in their life and they can't seem to figure out what it is. Tell you what it is, the devil doesn't want to let you go. This is why when they leave Egypt, Pharaoh chases after them because the devil don't want to let you go. Amen. you got to understand that old devil, that old owner, that old addiction, it's not your friend. Amen. This is why when you get saved, you have friends calling you up and saying, hey, we got a party this weekend. What are you doing? Friends you haven't talked to in months, years. You have family members that come out of the woodworks and all of a sudden get, become theologians. You've got to be careful with that church. Wow, you, you're starting to, you stopped, uh, you stopped doing a lot of things. You should be really careful. They didn't care when you were drunk, just, just choking on your own vomit. They didn't care. I have family members that didn't care if I came home alive or dead. My, my parents, they just, they just said, you just go do what you want to do. I was anywhere from six years old riding the city bus anywhere I wanted to go all the way until I was in my teens. And never one time did I get a question on where I was, where I was going, how long I was going to be gone. I'd be gone for days and weeks at friends' houses. And it was just one of those things where it was no big deal. And then all of a sudden I get saved. All of a sudden I start walking with Jesus. All of a sudden I start walking with the disciples happy with a smile on my face. Well, you should be careful, brother. Uh, you should have been careful a long time ago. No, 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 no. You should have cared a long time ago because uh, I found something uh, and I'm walking in my liberty. Don't be discouraged. Uh, don't be defeated. Walk in freedom. Walk in liberty. Don't let that old devil lie to you with condemnation. Uh, don't let him try to pull you back. Uh, you walk on forward into the will of God. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm almost done preaching. I came to help somebody this afternoon. Hallelujah. Devil, you have no claim. You have no ownership. Uh, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Uh, whoever God looses uh, is loose. And this is what he told me. He said, you tell that owner. You leave us alone because the Lord has need of them. God doesn't lose anybody without having a purpose for him. God doesn't lose anybody without having something better in store for them. If God ever removes something from your life and he looses you from it and he sets you free from it, that means God's got something better for you. 
Come on. He might loose you from a girlfriend because he's got a wife for you. He might loose you from a, amen, a drug high because he's got joy unspeakable and full of glory. He might set you free and loose you from the bar. But my Bible says, be not drunk with wine. Where is it in excess? But be filled. Come on, somebody. Be filled. You used to be a party animal, but God replaces it. Amen. And all of a sudden you come to church and you're not a fuddy-duddy and you're not folding your arms, but you're a party animal for Jesus. He loosed you and now you got something else that God's got a purpose for you in. Now you got something else that God's going to use you because you're released for a reason. God didn't set you free to sit you down and shut you up, but God set you free because he had a use. He had a need for you. Oh, somebody stand across the building. Clap your hands. Somebody magnify him. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. You're released for a reason. You got to walk in it. You got to live in it. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. You know, there's a lot of people get, get this. They get tripped up here. They get all the way loosed. They start walking, and then they start wandering. God never sets anybody free to let them wander. Wandering in the Bible is a curse. Being a vagabond in the Bible is a curse. He cursed Cain with it. And, and, and there's people that just, this, this, this idea that they just hop around, that's not, that's not of God. That's not of God. You need to get roots. <laughs> I, I just know too many people like that. They just, God sets them free. And they, I have some people back in my home church, God set them free. Great deliverance. Great, 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 powerful deliverance. But then they started walking a little ways, Elder. We got a little smarter. And that old nature, bucking up against the pastor, pulling against the disciples, pulling against the church. Well, I'll just go this way. And they hop over to this church. And I'll go this way. And they hop over to that church. And I think they've had 10 or 15 pastors by now. But they've not grown. And they never really made it to the purpose Jesus had for them. But this is the story of this cult. It had to be willing to be loosed. Yeah, you have to be willing. No, but Jesus is not going to show up and just say, all right, you're free from everything. You have to want it. If you want to be free, he'll set you free. You have to be willing to be free. Willing to be set at liberty. Then you got to be willing to be led. The only people that are going to be saved are those that are leadable and teachable. If you're not leadable and teachable and you think your way is the best way, you're going to wander in circles until Jesus comes back. But if you can let the disciples grab a hold of you, you can let that Bible study teacher grab a hold of you, you let the pastor grab a hold of you, you let Jesus grab a hold of you and lead you. The Lord's my shepherd. He leads me. But you got to be willing to follow. You have to be willing to let him lead. And you have to be willing to set aside resistance. And we all have it. We have that internal unwillingness. Okay. And then you have to show up. You got to make it all the way to Jesus. And you have to be willing to be saddled. That's why what Jesus was saying, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. In other words, he's saying, hey, if you can get to me, there will be an exchange. Your sin for my purpose for your life. All your mistakes, and I'll give you a future. 
and I'll give you hope. I'll trade you because what you're carrying is way too heavy. This old colt, you're going to have to be willing to be saddled and bridled. And now Jesus sits on top. And you have to be willing to let Jesus pull the reins. The Bible says the heart is deceitful of all. All things are desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the very next verse says, but I, the Lord, try the reins. But somebody has to be willing to let Jesus in their heart. Give them the saddle. Give them the throne. And say, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me. I don't know. I don't, I don't exactly know what's going to happen. But I'm willing. I am willing. And all that colt had to do was be willing to be loose. Be willing to be led. Be willing to be saddled. Be willing to be bridled. And be willing to be rode. And we read about this colt, dead and gone, long gone, just an animal. But forever in history, it will be the colt that brought Jesus into his kingdom. If God can do that with a lowly animal like a colt, if it has enough sense to lay down its pride, if it has enough sense to be willing, not knowing where they're leading, not knowing what the loosing is going to do, not knowing what the Lord's going to do, what should we do when Jesus comes calling for us? We have to be willing to be loosed. We have to be willing to be led. And we have to be willing to let the Lord have his way in our life. But at the end of it all, there's a reason. If you stop halfway, you won't see the purpose. You won't see the reason. But if you can get all the way to Jesus... Eventually, everything is going to start making sense. And maybe you've gone through some hard seasons on your journey as you've been being led, and it hasn't made a whole lot of sense. But when you get to Jesus, all of a sudden, everything is going to line up. Everything's going to point back to the reason. He said, I loose you. Amen, church. You want to know how we're going to have revival? It's when people are led, when people are loose, and when they let the Lord have their way. His way. This is where real revival starts. This is where real revival happens. When people get to the place where they're like, Lord, whatever you want in my life, I'm willing for it. I'm willing for it. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. This is how you see your purpose. Every individual has a will of God. There's the universal will of God, and there's an individual will of God for your life. Amen. And the only way you're going to get to that individual or that universal will of God is you have to be willing. You have to lay aside all that resistance internal. you got to lay aside all the pride. We all have to do it. There's not one individual that doesn't. And you got to say, Lord, I may not be much. I might be lowly. I might be common. I might be messed up. I might have made mistakes, but I, at the best, I I am willing. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Come on, bring your willingness. Just bring your willingness. Well, I feel tied up right now. If you come willing, God will loose you. Well, I, I don't know what's happening right now. I've been wondering. If you come willing, the Lord will lead you. God, I just don't exactly know what my purpose is. Let God bridle you. Let God saddle. Amen. Let God break the unbroken. Let God bridle the unbridled. Let God touch that very part of your life. Somebody pray. I'm done preaching. As they begin to sing, I want you to come and pray. Bring your willingness. 
If you lay your life down at this altar before the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm willing, you're going to find what that reason is. You're going to find purpose for your life. Amen. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a plan for you. But you've got to be willing to be loosed. You've got to be willing to be led. Somebody pray. Lift up your voice and let's magnify the Lord. Don't wander without purpose. Don't wander without reason. Amen. Be led to Jesus. Be led to Jesus. Let him grab the reins of your heart. plan for 